0: EMSradio.com.
1: EMS information for the next generation.
0: The EMS Garage is a production of EMSradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter, at EMS Garage. Email us, EMSGarage at gmail.com. Or call us, 303-720-6001. The EMS Garage.
2: With this vehicle, checking out right now. Okay, I got DC uh, on the phone there. I want to know if uh, you can handle that call as well. Just confirming you are and checking the patient.
3: 22,
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Green Garage. We're back after a bit of a hiatus. We took a few weeks off and. Recuperated from EMS Expo in Las Vegas. It was t- EMS World Expo. Gosh, I'll never get that name right yet. Sorry about that, Scott Cravens. EMS World Expo, we had a ton of fun out there and really enjoyed ourselves. But while we were slaving away in the nice, air-conditioned loveliness of the Las Vegas Convention Center, other people were working. And tonight we're going to talk to those people. I'm Chris Montero, your host, Geeky Medic, and you're on the EMS Garage. We're also doing a dual episode this week. With the EMS Standing Orders podcast, I'll be introducing Mr. Brad Buck here in one minute. I think we also have a couple other guests coming on as well, but we'll, we'll get them in as they, as they come on board. But joining me first, all the way from Winnemucca, Nevada, he's been on the show before, Mr. Pat Songer. Hello, sir. How are you doing to this evening? I'm great. I'm happy. And it's, and it's October almost, which is a good thing.
1: No, it's not. It's September. Well, it's
0: close to October, like
1: four or five yeah. days.
0: <laughs> I'm happy.
1: I'm happy about that.
0: Uh, anyway, and that other voice you heard is Mister, or sorry, Doctor uh, Brian Bledsoe. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. You had a great day there in Las Vegas, treating patients and taking care of stones. I hear sounds like it's a fun day. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sometimes guy. you just want to kill yourself, you know. <laughs>
0: Ranking in the big bucks as the ER doc, yeah. Uh, Tonight I'd like to talk about your book, too, if we get a minute, and you just released a brand new textbook, which would be, um, I think, a lot of people would like to hear about. Um, We we were trying to get you on while you were in Vegas, but you were getting ready to fly to the Burning Man thing, and uh, so we're happy to have you on the show and happy to talk about large event planning and talk about Burning Man. And finally, joining me is Mr. Brad Buck. Hello, sir.
3: Hello, Chris. Thanks for having me again. Glad you got back from your beer run. No beer. It's uh, out in the other fridge, so oh, I had to have dear. a margarita instead.
0: Oh, perfect. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nope, right not at all. And uh, so tell us, uh, you know, do, you guys, do you have an intro for EMS Standing Orders?
3: Uh, like the music in the intro? Oh, can um, can, not can necessarily. you do it? Can you
0: hum it? Hum a few bars. Not no,
3: bars. I can't <laughs> hum our song. It, <laughs> the song is called Medicine Man. and Nice. No, I can't necessarily hum it. It's okay. by a little local artist.
0: Right on. Very cool. Well, so tonight what we want to talk about is Burning Man and large event planning. I was out in Winnemucca, oh gosh, right at the right at the end of August, and got to see some really cool toys. Pat Songer has some of the coolest EMS toys I've ever seen, including a dune buggy. I mean, come on, seriously?
2: A dune buggy, man?
0: That was awesome. Oh my gosh. how many How many times a year do you guys use that?
2: Well, we probably respond about fifteen times a year we We cover about twenty five miles of sand dunes these these moving sand dunes they're not like you know the Vegas area ones or stuff, but they're they're back in the middle of nowhere, kind of like we are and uh, it's a little difficult to get like ATVs and things back there that are not set up to transport and so the B up Bureau of Land Management gave us a one of their older dune buggies that had a patient stretcher on it. We used to go back in there and get patients with. Right on.
0: Well, I, I was I was completely in awe by it and was really excited about it. So
2: I, have to talk I haven't about it. seen the picture of you on Facebook with it yet, though.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I put it up on I'll put it up. I don't think I'll so. Put it, up on Facebook. <laughs> it was good. Well, so tell us a little bit about um, Burning Man for those who don't. Well, uh, here's what I know about it. I know it's kind of a um thing that started probably, what, 10, 15 years ago out there in the in the Nevada desert and has slowly grown over time to a really, really large event in the middle of nowhere. So tell us a little bit about the event, Pat, and how you became involved. And then let's kick it to Brian and talk about what it's like to be the medical director for such a large event.
2: Well, I don't know if I will do a very good job of telling you what the event's about because I, I don't think there's a very good explanation of the event. I think, And I think Dr. Bledsoe would agree with me on this that you just have to see it to see actually what... Uh, what it is, but it is an event in the middle of the Black Rock Desert, which is about 130 miles north, uh, east of Reno, uh, about 100 miles directly west of us of, uh, I guess free expression and, uh, artwork, art, um, art displays, um, and the, <laughs> the expression of free expression, I guess you could say, but the best thing to do is go to the, the BurningMan.com's website and read about it and, and, uh, for people listening to this, that would be the best thing to do to go there and see what it's all about rather than me trying to explain. But it, it it's individualized, so everybody that goes to it, I mean, it is something um, different to each individual person. Um, we were contacted about two years ago, I guess. Uh, the Birding Man organization was looking for a little bit different uh, viewpoint on how to provide care to a mass gathering out in the middle of the desert. They had been with a different vendor for about 17 years and they were just looking for a different view on how to um take care of these people they really like uh, you know so secluded they really want their people to stay there they want them to stay healthy and they want them to uh be provided for and uh not be transported somewhere unnecessarily uh they they looked at us they seen they had a consultant come in and look at I guess a whole bunch of different people and uh for some reason our name came up as being uh one of the best providers to in the local area to, to give them the services they want, um, since we are a hospital-based service, we I think we had the uh, perspective of being a critical access hospital, so being able to handle patients in that type of remote setting and then also being a uh, very progressive rural ambulance service that, that kind of does a lot of things outside the box. Uh, clinically, um, for example, you know, doing ultrasounds in the field and lab work in the field. And I think that was very attractive to them in the sense that they had had a system there for years that was a high-performance system that really didn't know anything other than uh a possible broken arm. You got to get an ambulance transport to a hospital. We were able to show them some alternate ways of, of looking at mass gatherings, especially in the middle of nowhere, mass gatherings that, that really, truly, and I'm sure Dr. Bledsoe will hit on this, uh, bring a lot of different types of injury and illnesses and, uh, even some aspects of socialized medicine to a, a seven day event. So let me set the
0: stage for you. This is in the middle of nowhere. Literally, it's a complete, literally, literally it's a complete desert most <laughs> of the time, uh, 50,000 people of your closest and non-closest friends come out in the middle of nowhere, create a city over a few weeks, and in that amount of time, they also build a really large man. How how large was, this, was it this year, about four or five stories?
2: Yeah, th- four or five stories. I, yeah. I think it was about three stories to the base of it, and then the man's another couple stories tall.
0: So at the end of the festival, they burn the man. So They burn the man?
2: man. And they burn the temple. Yeah, it's, the remarkable part of the thing is they build this re, this absolutely remarkable architecture piece of art that they they create. Not only the man, but the temple. And at the end of this event, they burn them both down, which is just incredible.
0: That's really awesome. So I, I would imagine the contact high is pretty pretty crazy out there too, most of the time. Yeah, our
2: hospital was uh located right next to the contact high. I think. <laughs>
0: Oops. Uh, yeah. well, maybe we'll come back to that perhaps. in a minute. So, uh, describe, Dr. Blatzo, how did you get involved and, and what uh, what kind of things did you see that perhaps you don't see in a Las Vegas ER?
1: Well, I will say this. Las Vegas ER was a good training for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, Pat had called me. Um, Pat and I have been exchanging emails and he's been trying to get me up to Winnie Mucka. Um, then I finally got a map, figure out where it was. And um I, I decided to do it, you know. It I we do a lot of mass gathering thing here in Vegas. We're really good at it because I mean every weekend there's something, you know. I, this last weekend I almost Crew at a UFC match, we had Mr. Olympia, we had Electric Daisy, so it's what we do pretty well. And um there was just something about this that interested me. I I, I guess because of my age, I wanted to attend Woodstock, which is in sixty nine, and I graduated high school in seventy three. And um it, i just thought it'd be neat you know mark twain once said you'll be more uh, uh upset about the things that you uh didn't do than the things you did and so uh you know i knew that that pat and him ran a good organization and um and i thought my wife would like it and so we uh we flew to reno got in a rental, rented suv and drove up to the desert And we really really had the time of our lives i brought uh I guess four residents, my EMS fellow, and about 25 medical students, and, and they did too. They're still, still raving about it. Um, it, it really is unique. I, I guess kind of the funny thing I was, we were, my wife and I were flying into Reno from Vegas, and um, you know, there were signs up, and there was a, a tourist going to Tahoe or something that didn't realize uh, the Burning med thing was going on, and the uh, TSA agent was trying to explain to the. Uh, to the, this person going to Tahoe, what Burning Man was, he you know gave about three or four avenues because goes, to just Google it, and and that's the really really the way it is. It is it um it, it's it's different uh, but it it's fun. I mean, it, it's it's you, everybody does the same thing. It is a it is a huge event set up like a city with uh, with streets and axes and uh, some infrastructure. You know um. Uh, Porta pots and electricity that's generated, and it's just seven days of, of free life. Nothing can be bought out there except for I think ice. So everything is on a uh, uh, not even a barter system. But everything's a gift. You know, I, I we were driving around on the the mule, the Kawasaki mule, and this Roman centurion jumps in front of us and goes halt. Oh. And then the guy comes out before him, and he's got a board. He's not a security; he's a lower-ranking Roman officer, and he was the mixing margaritas. You know, um, it just—it was just uh, anything you could imagine. But the people were great; they were appreciative, they—they they were respectful. Uh And you know, talking about the contact, yeah, yeah, there were a lot. Of, I guess there were a lot of drugs out there. But looking at past numbers, we only had 28 cases. We really attributed purely to drugs and it's one of two things either they're, they're experienced druggers and how to use them or it's not quite as bad as you think because the tickets are three hundred dollars a person and you drive a good distance and and it really takes a special person to go out there and do that but um i mean it, it was fun when we uh, before we left and, and uh drove back to reno um with my wife's permission we agreed to go back next year and, and do it again except for this time to spend more time out there
0: that 's exciting so Pat what did you guys set up a I, you, I take you guys set up a hospital out there and you had transport units and everything what, what did that take how much preparation and and by golly where did, how did you erect a hospital in the middle of nowhere
2: well we we prepared for this for about six months um, purchased a portable hospital a mobile hospital uh, kind of a disaster hospital uh, a three-unit hospital that has kind of a main, I guess you could say, acute wing, a triage area, and then kind of had an emergency room entrance, uh, another triage, a separate triage area to that. Uh, purchased six L, uh, ambulances that we call Delta ambulances, disaster ambulances, uh, specifically for this event, and then um, took those ambulances. They weren't brand-new ambulances, and we, we went and found the best that we could for the budget we had. Yeah, and put them in service, and I believe you saw some of them. We, we logoed them with, uh, Burning Man's logo, so kind of did a customer service thing for them. We wanted to really be part of the city out there. It's really a tight-knit city, and um, really community-based, and they really wanted that community-based atmosphere out there. So we did some things that would make us, make everybody out there that, know that we wanted to be a part of their community, and, you know, I, I can't, reiterate enough what Dr. Bledsoe says on how respectful and nice the people are out there it's not like going to a uh, rave or something like that or um, not that I have a lot of experience at that but uh, they're just very nice respectful people very thankful for the medicine you provide them and and very thankful that you're out there taking care of them wow that's interesting Brad
0: tell me uh, I know you have some burning questions (laughs) sorry Uh, for (laughs) Dr. Bledsoe and and Pat so go ahead
3: (laughs) Uh, one of them I want to ask is, uh, like for you, Pat, I mean, that was a, uh, you know, a a mobile hospital, a disaster type of hospital. That's a substantial investment uh, for you guys to uh, – so this is something that you've – I know that you said you know you've done this for a period of time, but that this is going to most likely be a long-term if you're making that sort of investment – along with the logoing, and this has to require, I mean, quite a bit of additional staff for that period of time and for an event that large. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. We, I, you know, we made a long-term commitment with when, – when we went into this venture, you know, the thing we said to the Burning Man organization is, look, we're going to have to invest a lot of money in capital, and to do that we're going to need a long-term commitment. For we, So we went into a five-year uh, commitment with them, a con- contractual commitment with them, so we could capitalize out uh, equipment over five years. Um, and presented that to our board of directors at the hospital on, on how that would be profitable for us. Um, and just, you know, put together a very... Uh Good budget that, you know, we show about a 15 to 20 percent profit on the event. Um, the reality of it is it's probably a break even event because we're, we're so community based. Uh, the, the benefits to this community and the benefits to this hospital for the long term effects of this event is, uh, enormous. These guys do a lot of community based stuff, whether they place artwork or, um, right now they have a group called Black Rock Solar that they're working with the hospital on, um, helping them expand their solar energy projects here at no cost to the hospital um, but getting back to how many you know, employees and things like that we employed about 300 people to cover this event for uh, just about 11 days so it's it's quite a commitment it, it's a uh, event that has a lot of tradition when it comes to uh, people that have been out there they, they call them burners and uh a lot of the burners that come are people that have worked the medical aspect for other con- the other contractor for years, and a lot of those just jumped right on board because they want to be a part of the event. They want to be part of the teams that are um, out there providing this. They don't really care what uh, color the uniform is. They just want to they want to go out there and they want to help um, their fellow burners. I guess you could say.
3: Very good. Um, another question um, directed both towards you and towards Brian. Is uh, Doctor Bledsoe is not your normal medical director uh, for your service, so I guess one of the questions: How did that work with your uh, with your medics as far as um, was he the medical director? Were you still acting under your normal protocols? Did you have to develop a new set of of guidelines given kind of the nature of this event?
2: Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure. Doc wants to address some of this, but we asked Dr. Bledsoe to be our medical director for the clinic, for the hospital portion of it. Um, I, I think next year we're going to look at different options and expanding that. Uh, Dr. Bledsoe's is already a medical director um, for services in Nevada, so it's, it's pretty seamless. There's not a lot of paperwork shuffle that has to happen through NRS in Nevada. Um so he overseed the clinic, our protocols, how we, how the flow of the, pr- the clinic worked um, when it came to treatment modalities and and try- types of medicine that we wanted to provide out there, and how that medicine was going to be provided, and then in the sense of how we wanted to. Um, take care of those patients, what patients were going to be taken care of on, on Playa and what patients were going to be transported. So it, we had two medical directors. Our, the medical director that uh, did our pre-hospital care was our local doctor who has been our medical director for years here for uh, the Critical Access Hospitals Ambulance Service, and then Dr. Bledsoe overseeing uh, everything on Playa that was going on.
1: Yeah, I'll agree. That, and they have a great medical director. I went winning Winnipeg and met with them. He's very proactive and it was refreshing to see, you know, I think his training is internal medicine, uh, which is, is, is great. And, um, he, he's just a go-getter. I mean, he, he wants the Wemme and in that area of, of Northern Nevada to have good quality care. He was not threatened by this, if at all. He, uh, I mean, uh, there's, there's just no issues. I mean, there was, there was just no issue with anything on this, which is very unusual. i, I had, Less trouble this than we used to do in the Catholic diocese of Austin medical missions to Mexico. There was always some fighting in those, and this was just just seamless. I mean, um, and it really is a testament to, to Pat and those guys out there. You know, yeah, medical director. I, I just kind of showed up and, and, and worked. Uh, they really did most of the work, and um, you know, it it you know this is uh, this is the truth. It really really went well, much better than I could have imagined, and it, it, it was, and again, it was. Uh, It was an experience I'm I'm glad I did. I look forward to doing it next year.
0: What were some of the, Dr. Bledsoe, what were some of the things that perhaps you didn't have at your beck and call that you would normally have in the city hospital that uh, perhaps made the job harder?
1: Well, uh, you know, it was, we were looking at the information from the group that had it the year before in terms of what medications we brought out there and such. Um, I, being from Texas, was not really familiar with that environment. It's quite different than even down here in Southern Nevada, which we're in the High Mojave Desert down here. It was a very alkaline soil, so dust and uh, and we have a phenomena. They call it playa, which in Spanish means beach. Well, there's a beach there, in it's ocean. I um, mean, they call it a playa foot. So we were seeing these alkaline foot injuries, almost like you see with concrete. Uh, and just, I mean, I even had some some dental issues just related to the dryness of the environment and the constant sand um you know i i think that um we next year we did 130 sutures i'm looking at here i would have a little better sutures i i think i dropped the ball on that i guess i kind of concentrated on the medications we wanted out there we i needed to be better make sure we had the right suture trays and uh you know more people that can suture and things of that nature i you know it's um it'll be a a, a continuing process to try to Trying to get this set up. The the, the saving grace was this, is that Pat and those guys had arranged for a mobile x-ray unit. So we were able to x-ray all these fractures and, and in my residence, UMC here in Las Vegas is a level one trauma center, the only level one between Las Vegas, uh, between Los Angeles and, uh, and Phoenix. But guess what? We don't have an orthopedic surgery residency. Uh, we have some some DO residents that come in from Michigan for about four or five months a year, so we're used to doing our own reductions and um, and and treating and streeting fractures. And when we got up there, um, you know, it was just second nature to so, us. Oh, you know, traumatic ankle fracture, we'll splint you up, you can go to your doctor next week, and, and things of that nature. So I, I think that um, you know we've learned some things. We're going to adjust our medication list. One thing we did run into is we all wore the same shirts. They didn't know who was a doctor, who was signing people in, who was a paramedic. And 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 one thing I want to work on is is basically you know uh, credentialing people. What what can a paramedic do? What can a critical care paramedic do? What Can a you know physician, a resident, do, or a nurse practitioner? And that needs to be clarified to the staff and to the and to the patients. You know you know I'm a big fan of empowering and. Uh, you, you can ask Pat. I didn't do. I did a fair amount of patient care, but I didn't run things. I, I, you know, dealt with the crisis, with problems, and you know, and staffing issues. But I kind of left it up to you know the protocols we established and the medical students, the residents, and the paramedics. You know, we had paramedics treating UTIs and, and starting IVs and things of that nature, and um, uh, it it went right. well. I and mean, there were there were no egos here. It was all about uh, taking care of the folks and enjoying the show.
0: Right on. I well, I think that that's. <laughs> Gosh, that's such a welcome thing to hear. Did you guys have to worry about insurance? Because you said something
2: about socialized medicine. Shh. <laughs> yeah, you sure you want to go down that road? <laughs> uh, well, I don't. I well, honestly well, I, don't care. I mean, but <laughs> it is a. It definitely is a uh, demonstration in in socialized medicine. I mean, you buy a three hundred dollar ticket, and for the next seven days, you're. All your medical care is taken care of. Perfect. Uh, See, that's awesome. You have to go to you know a higher level of care, I guess you could say. Uh, I think one thing we did a very good job out there is returning people to the playa, taking care of their needs, and, and returning them to the playa, and then following that up with uh, follow up care later down the road if needed. Like you know, with the portable X ray, the the docs were able to either uh, set the injuries or determined that the fractures didn't need to be transported, but needed to be followed up on in seven to 10 days. And, and they didn't need the uh, $6,000 ambulance bill to get them into Reno. You know, our, our transport statistics show that we were about, you know, a quarter of what usually gets transported off that, off the playa. And that's, you know, that's really the goal of, of doing good medicine is getting people to the appropriate places and, um, you know, we all know that high performance systems sometimes perpetuate the the cost of the system and the cost of the care to the patient and the the cost of the whole overall um needs that are are a derivative of that. Did you see a lot of dehydration and I I would think typical things you would see in the middle of the <laughs> desert? Uh, 215 is what our statistics showed for dehydration out there. So quite a that's bit, not, think that's, that's a combination of, yeah, drinking and not drinking water or drinking too much water and not, you know, hydrating appropriate with electrolytes and things
0: like that. What were the common things you saw then?
2: Oh, Maybe I guess the I predict, most common thing. I mean, soft tissue injuries were really the most common thing. You know, there's really? a lot of uh things get put up with rebar. You know, things get staked down out there. It gets to be quite windy sometimes, so things get staked down. Everything's temporary. Um, this is a zero trace event, so um, the camps are very good at what they build out there. They have to take away. So, you know, things are staked down, things are very portable, and uh, th- some of those things cause injuries. Um, at night, there's very, very dark areas. Um, this was a moonless week, so, you know, people stepping on things, people walking into things. Um, so a lot of soft tissue injuries, not a lot of major trauma. Um, we had a couple a couple major traumas, but um, soft tissue injuries, and then injuries... As Dr. Bledsoe said, resulting from the playa dust, either eyes, feet, hands, um, it, it's a very bad stuff. I guess you could say.
1: Gosh. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, we we saw a lot of urinary tract infections in females, you know, and that, some of that's related, I guess, to sexual activity. But just it's just they don't drink as much, so they don't pee as much, and we uh, saw a lot of eye stuff, and I guess that's. You know, we were pretty well prepared, but there was a lot more allergic things I would have thought. We had some solumedrol, and, and I purposely added some prednisone, and we really turned some folks around with an injection of solumedrol and, uh, 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 you know, prednisone and these things, and kept them on the playa. I mean, there were some things we wanted to make sure, like uh, ocular antihistamines and, and things of that nature, but, you know, and, and it was meatball medicine. I mean, you know, treating urinary tract infection based on on signs and symptoms, well it is what it is. I mean, we, we could dip urines and so on, but um, you know, and people knew it. Nobody was expecting, you know, mayo clinic care out there. It was we really in the middle of the freaking desert and yeah. 150 miles from Reno. And they were they were really happy with the care they provided. We had volunteers who would register people. We had our first and second year medical students who really weren't uh, you know too much on the on the on the medical aspect of things. And, and, you know, in turn, they got to enjoy it. And, like I say, Pat and I, we've gotten, you know, thank you letters from patients and, and, and from the medical students. And again, you know, uh, our residents, um, just had the time of their life. I mean, it was, they're fairly autonomous, even though they're working under my license and supervision. You know, they got to practice rural medicine in a massive fence. Something you can't see here in Vegas is our amulet. Am- 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 or average ambulance transport time is less than ten minutes here, unless you're further out in Clark County. So it was it was really good. I mean, and it was the best fireworks I or my wife have ever seen. Three nights. The first night they burned the Trojan Horse, which was a couple stories, and this fireworks went on for twenty minutes. The night they burned the man on on Saturday, same sort of thing. Gas and just it's just uh, it's just uh, it's uh, up to that. The best thing I've ever seen was Australia Day in Sydney. And then the, I didn't see it the final day when they burned the temple, but just everything is interesting, you know. And and there's no way you can see it all, you know. I mean, it's we, we probably saw 10% of the event. We had a, a Kawasaki mule to run around. So, uh, but uh, it it was weird and nice and uh, uh, interesting, and and it was just it's something for everybody, and and you know it's and nobody bothers you. Gay, straight, you know, druggies, others, you know, nobody cared. It was just, it was, it was actually everybody just getting along well, which is really pretty neat.
0: That's really cool, Buck. Did you have more questions, Brad? Sorry, not. Buck, gosh, no, I do that to you all bad. the time, Brad. I don't know why. I see you laughing. Yeah, everybody calls uh, me that. It's Buck not that big Buck Naked. That's my favorite um, one for you,
3: Doctor Bud. So when we were talking in Vegas, you made mention of the ventilator capability and that. I asked between the both of you what were, you know, what what type of specialized care were you able to provide or what were some of your the resources you had access to? I mean, it sounds like you were able to do some lab work. And, you know, what were the capabilities of the hospital, I suppose?
1: Well, I mean, x-ray was the big thing. We had the iStat so we could run some chemistries, you know, the dip urines. So we could suture Um you know, the things that really, you're dealing with a fairly healthy population. Uh, they're, they're, they're mainly young professionals in their, their 30s and 40s. We did, you know, we had some bad things. They had, uh, you know, a laryngeal obama had to be flown out. We had a, uh, actually, an incredible case. They're, they were writing up one of my 30 residents um, and, and um, Pat's group. They had a guy have some distress in an RV out on the playa. EMS crew went and picked this dude up. He was in the 60s. On the way back to the to the hospital, which we call a Rampart, uh, he had a run of ventricular tachycardia and a cardiac arrest. The, the uh, humble EMS crew gave a precordial thump, and it worked. That, in and of itself, is uh, is worthy of writing up. Took him to the hospital. This guy was had no blood pressure. Uh, paramedics and Dr. Weston uh, hydrated him up. Jeff. Uh, shot a chest x-ray, had a wide mediastinum and presumed it was a thoracic dissection. So they held the pressers, flew the dude, argued with the doctors in Reno, flew the dude because they didn't believe him flew, him, flew him down to Reno and sure enough he had a thoracic dissection, took him to the operating room and fixed it. And uh, this guy had a cardiac arrest, uh, later was resuscitated and I had uh, Jeff check on him this week. He's going to get discharged. So this guy was 150 miles from nowhere, in the middle of the desert, dissected the his thoracic gorilla, had a cardiac arrest, you know, and is alive. And that's just one of the cases, you know. So, um, uh, you know, that's uh, we're going to write that sucker up. Uh, we just uh, it's a matter of the time. But it, and there were a couple things like that, you know. It was um, it was those those bad things in amongst the easy things that that that's what makes these special events kind of difficult. Is it's easy to get lulled in a sense of security? And all of this is UTIs and such. Occasionally, something else will sneak in, and and basically, um, a city of 53,000 people that's bigger than the town closest to my Texas house. I mean, that's you're gonna have a whole community there for a week. So some diseases are just gonna naturally occur that um, just by luck of the draw. It it was uh, it was something I I really have to say. Well,
0: definitely impressive. When you come to think that, you know, this time of year there's nothing there, and there won't be anything back there for another uh, basically eleven months. I, I'm just impressed. So, what? Um, how many transports did you guys do out of there? Do you know?
2: We uh, there was 33 total transports out of there, and f- uh, five of those were by care flight, and 28 of those went by ground. Um, of those. Yeah I, we don't have the breakdowns of like length of stay or or outcomes on the ones that were transported we're, we're doing a study on that and we'll we'll get that to see the appropriateness of all those transports of the care flight transports um, I think for the most part, most of them were appropriate. Um, it's a long ways for CareFlight to come, it's a, and it's a difficult place to land a helicopter. They actually had a hard landing the first time we called them out there, and um, their corporation ended up uh, shutting down the, the flights to the ply and we had to land them in a town that was about 20 miles away. Um, so we transferred there. But we had a couple uh, multi-system traumas. Uh, I believe the the airway trachea issue I think Dr. Bledsoe, if that was one also, Um, but for the most part, you know, we, I think we did a pretty good job of, of having the, the equipment and the ability out there to rule out or to rule out and tell that that you didn't need to go by ambulance that you could be followed up on later. Uh, we had a couple of portable ultrasound devices out there that we use on our ground ambulances here and everybody's all the paramedics here are trained to do fast exams. So they were able to do trauma fast exams and then do other procedures with them out there that was that probably would have ended up in patients being transported that didn't need to be transported. Um, so interesting things like that.
0: And how many total patients then in that in those three days or four days? The
2: clinic saw twenty uh I always get this wrong. Twenty three hundred and seven patients in the the majority of it was over seven days. Wow, that's impressive. And then and you only transported
0: twenty twenty eight patients by ground. 20? That's that's really impressive. <laughs> you would assume well, at least about a 100, 150 out of that event or something like
2: that. Oh, I, I think you would have if we didn't have some of these modalities. And, and I think if you don't have the progressive medical directors, you know, between our ambulance medical director and Dr. Blood. So, you know, there, it's not a high-performance system out there. In the sense, we ran a high-performance system in the sense that we were dispatched out. We were uh, system status to the uh, places like Thunderdome that generated a lot of injuries during specific times and the events, the, the raves and stuff in the mornings We were, that we were stationed on that would generate injuries or... Or people were just sleeping in a little too long because of too much fluid the night before. Um, you know. So in the sense, we ran a hoy performance system to get to the patients fast and get them back to Ramport fast, but in the, then on the flip side of that was there was no reason to be transporting all these uh, injuries and illnesses that didn't need to be transported that we could do rule-outs on there for the fact just to transport them.
0: So basically you had a large event standby, and then you did many event standbys within the event. That's pretty cool. He,
2: yeah, the event has a whole lot of uh, festivals inside of festivals that that people do. Uh, it's a, they they, do, they build art cars, and so these art cars have many events around them. Um, and then there's just different parties that go on throughout the event that are, are scheduled and not scheduled. So
1: That's a part of the two is. Uh- well, first of all, you know, winning mucca uh, when they decide to send a patient to Reno, that's a, that's a three-hour investment. So I think that, that those hospitals like that, those critical access hospitals, have, have have really started to question, you know, does this need to go to this other hospital? If so, can it go in a car? Can it go in an ambulance? Does it need to go in a, in a helicopter? I think the other side of the coin is, here in Las Vegas, we're, we're at the, you know, the buck stops here place. We don't refer to anybody else. We take care of everything ourselves. And uh, I think just... the uh, kind of the approach to, to medicine between the very rural Winnie Mucka hospital and the very urban UMC and and you know our residency was a pretty good mix. You know, you had it's hard to explain, but it, it just really worked. We we don't we take care of everything. We don't send anything out and 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 they have to be judicious in what they send out and and you know, we actually discussed it. We had a GHB or we intubated and of course, our res, you know, first idea is well, we got to ship them. They said, ah, oh, it's a GHB. We'll, we'll just keep them there and bag them until they excavate themselves." And that's exactly what happened. They went back and party the next day, you know. Probably the oh, next hour. Yeah, yeah.
2: Dude,
1: <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, it's uh, I think it was yeah.
2: a, it, it was an outstanding compliment between the the. Uh, UMC docs and, and our paramedics. I mean, to talk about an outstanding working relationship that just complemented each other where they're used to being able to handle everything in-house. And in the same sense, our paramedics from a critical access hospital, we, we try to handle everything we can in the field because there's not a lot more that once they get into the hospital um, besides some of these definitive tests can be done. So it was a great compliment and a great learning experience for us.
3: Pat, you really had to have done some of your homework, apparently, leading up to this, understanding the the festival within the festival, and you know where you'd have to put people. Um, but with all that, how did you? How did both of you deal with uh, the staffing part of it, as far as rotating crews, et cetera?
2: Well, we had staffing matrices that were from previous events, um, from previous contractors, and, and we looked at those matrixes and uh, held a lot of meetings with the burning man organization Uh the, the burning man organization itself has a full emergency services unit um, they staff something like 600 personnel at this event that that does uh, first response they have two first aid stations set up at what's called the three o'clock and nine o'clock positions of the of the city um and, and they staff this thing completely with volunteers. So they have a big network of people. So they have, they have the ability to, uh, really early on February, March when we just signed the contract to put out a lot of emails on their um, bulk email systems and also on their blog sites about their new contractor, what, what we were doing, what we were bringing in and you know we had an overwhelming amount of applicants to go through, probably in the range of four hundred plus applicants. Um, we were only able to accommodate about three hundred of those um, but this this organization has a culture of help and gifting and and all the all that goes along with that so the, it gave us a good in, insight, or it gave us a good employee pool to choose from. Um, the, the matrix that we went off of from the past years, um, after action reviews, because um, that was proprietary to Burning Man. Um, they gave that that information to us, and we were able to design our uh, uh, staffing matrix off that. We collected a lot of data. Yeah, the, uh, everything we did. Um, there was a, a statistic that went. T- went along with it and, uh, a data point that went along with it. So next year's event, we'll be able to really look at the data and, uh, you know, we track through times, we track patient volumes, um, and, and a lot of that was, you know, because we are an ER, we are a hospital and we're, that's stuff we normally track anyway. So we'll be able to next year look at um, staffing matrixes off of our through times and and uh, the times of days and the types of patients and you know the different times the events are being held and and b l staff accordingly there I think for the most part our staffing. Uh, held up pretty good. Um and one of those reasons was was when Dr. Bledsoe's group arrived uh when the event was really ramping up towards the end of the week when the the population's at its greatest is all of a sudden all these residents show up and all of Dr. Bledsoe's group and they just jump in there and started helping out and and some of them even came back for extra shifts that they didn't sign up for because they were having so much fun. Uh some of them went over to Thunderdome and staffed Thunderdome and and, and got to play and work there and got the free shirt. So, a little bit
0: about staffing. How did you? Yeah, gosh, that had to be a bit of an HR nightmare. How did how did people come on board? Did they do it through the Burning Man organization? Did they do it through you? How did they How did they do it? And then next year, are you going to be looking for the same people, or are you looking for more volunteers?
2: We're, uh, definitely, next year we're going to be looking for more volunteers. This year was the first year the event actually opened up. I believe, 24 hours early. So there our contract is being expanded next year. Uh, so we're going to definitely be looking for more people. And from the numbers that we saw this year compared to the numbers of year befores, uh, it, it, the, the event really ramped up with some of the injuries. Um, for example, uh, sutures were, were tripled, the amount of sutures compared to the years the year before uh, statistics that were turned in. Um, the events completely, they're a complete employee of Humboldt General Hospital. So all the HR work has to go through our HR group. We kind of streamlined the process because they are considered casual call employees. Um, so they they actually get issued an employee number. They get put into our system. So it it, it is cumbersome, um, but we're a very computerized hospital. So in one sense, it's fairly streamlined too. Most everything is online and through email. The toughest part is credentialing doctors because we are a hospital, so the doctors all have to be credentialed and basically on staff and approved by our med staff here. So that was probably the biggest cumbersome process um, for the next – for the uh, upcoming years – Probably, I would say 90 to 95% of uh, staffing will be returning uh, employees. We're very big on employee satisfaction, customer service, and, and for the most part, we haven't had anybody that I know of yet say they had a, a negative experience and they don't want to come back. So I'd see them say that the, the uh, upcoming years are going to be fairly easy with HR since everybody's now in the system and they're just, they'll be considered an employee until uh, they decide not to do Burning Man anymore.
0: You know what's crazy? You may have kind of tapped into this new way to do business in our industry. You mean they didn't have to be they didn't have to go through 6 weeks of FTO and you know they didn't have to realize all of the other things you have to do to become part of your organization. They just were. That's kind of cool.
2: It was. And we you know we set the bar pretty high. There were applicants that we felt that, you know, probably would not work out in this uh Environment. Um, but we had a, uh, down and dirty orientation process. You know, we, we looked at years of experience and, you know, most of these pe- we, people went to a three hour orientation prior to the event. And then most of them, it was on the job training and, and we had enough overhead staff there that, uh, when a doctor or nurse or paramedic or even the, um, Clerks arrived. They were. It was just a hand down procedure where um, training was done by the previous shift, and then we had oversight people that uh, gave them the, the five minute lecture, the ten minute lecture, and then we're just there to help out during the event and just. You know, it was on the job training, and by the end of a twelve hour shift, they were running things and without any oversight. That's great. Holy cow! I think that that's pretty
0: innovative, and when looking at any type of event, whether it's a and all of a sudden kind of need a bunch of people natural disaster terrorist attack whatever what have you or a planned event i think that that says a lot about a your trust in um, the abilities of the people coming in and also the the skill and the of being able to weed out the the appropriate amount of people i think that's that's amazing really it really is truly innovative and i think that we have a lot to learn as an industry because of that. you know, we don't have pool paramedics or things like that that we could um, you know, you don't have but pool we should. service. But we should. <laughs> I I think <laughs> we, we should. should. We should be able to we should be able to have a pool service that you can call and go, Send me a paramedic today, I'm a short one and paramedic arrives and give him a uniform and he exactly hops in the truck and goes, you know. Or you don't even need to give him a uniform, they have their own. Yep. So,
2: yeah, I, I agree. It's, I mean, it's the best practices for disaster medicine is the best tra- practice for MCI. I mean, we we based our patient flow off of MCI guidelines. You know, we categorized patients green, yellow, and red, and uh, that was kind of our patient flow. It, it worked. Somewhat, and there's some going to be some adjustments that are going to be made next year. But um, it really was a best practice for disaster medicine. And, and how do you take a whole bunch of people and go somewhere in the event of a disaster, put them all together, make them all work cohesively, have good customer service, whether it's a disaster or not? You know, you want good customer service because it creates good patient outcomes. And, and you want, uh, you know, you know, you need patient flow, you need a good continuity of care, and you need people getting along. And to be able to take 300 people that from our point of view, you know, a lot of them knew each other, but from our point of view, we didn't know any of them and mold that within five minutes and have them maintaining a standard of customer service that, that our organization demands and, uh, um, puts out it, is, it was kind of a tough challenge, but I think that that culture was de- developed right away with our organization in the beginning and those, those standards and those, um, what we expected was, was always there because we had good oversight. But in the best practices sense, this, this is great in the sense that we could take this and go anywhere in the event of a disaster somewhere, set up these tents, pull in 300, uh, healthcare providers and put them to work. I, I, I think that there's a lot to be learned there from this event to be able to do something like that. And that's really what, uh, what needs to happen, I believe.
1: You know, we would be remiss if we didn't, you know, comment just how great these folks in northern nevada have acted they had the denny shooting in carson city and then Brimza, and the uh, the fire departments in sparks and uh, reno did an incredible job with that uh, air race crash up there you know and so you went in, in a matter of a month you had a mass shooting you had burning man you had this airway crash and those guys up there in northern nevada they handled it like it was a piece of cake and that i don't know that and here in this uh, wonderful world of law land in Las Vegas, we could do the same thing. I don't hope we would, but, but wow, what a great job that uh, they did up in northern Nevada. Well
0: and I think it too gets highlighted when you think about this scarcity of resources sometimes and you really do have to pull together and, and make it work. And so Doctor Bloodso, from your perspective, what are you obviously you're going back. So what was the coolest thing that you saw there? besides the fire besides the fireworks
1: let's just rate it
0: anything you want <laughs>
1: it, 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 was, it, it was it was interesting i guess I'm, i am you know i'm a big, uh, child of the 70s i guess i grew up in a lot of this but uh it's just everybody got along i mean after the first day of everybody because nudity occurs there and, and just weirdness but i guess i really enjoyed the creative creativity of the weirdness and i realized that, that if sometimes it's my own issues. I had a, a very attractive woman who wanted her to that hospital with a sore throat wearing absolutely nothing but sandals. And I noticed. Um, and so um, so anyway, as so I was looking, she had a sore throat. We were kind of seeing an outbreak of, outbreak of exudated pharyngitis. I was a little concerned that it might have been mono. And so anyway, I looked at her throat, and she had some exudate. And, and I said, well, ma'am, I'm going to feel under your, your arms here. It's kind of a sensitive area. You know, looking for lymph nodes in the axilla. She goes, "Do you think I care?" And I go, "You know, you're right." I go, this, "This is probably more an issue for me than it is for you." And she goes, "Welcome to the playa." So it, it's just, um, you know, um, it was it was just neat. First, time I ever had to stop a uh, a mule with my wife, in total let about twenty nude elderly men and women walk in front of it. Um, uh, it it's just. Um, you know, they had the Thunderdome. I mean, just like the movie, our residents love working that. They, um, it, was, it was, you know, it was, even for a redneck like me, there was something for everybody. And um, and and nobody cared. You know, I mean, nobody really cared in terms of, you know, who you are, what your standing in life is. Um, they were very appreciative. Yeah, uh, it, it's just, I don't know. It's like trying to describe the ocean. You've never seen it. It's just difficult, you know.
0: Uh, I can't, I, I don't even think words can describe it. I, I've been sitting here looking at some of the pictures online on the BurningMan.com website. There's 15,000 images, and I'm through page 82. So it's going to take a while. So, uh, Pat, how about you? What um, This is your third year, you said, right?
2: No, this is my first year. Here. First year? Oh, I yeah, thought. This is our first year.
0: Oh, uh, well, I thought you'd been out there before. Sorry.
2: No, I've been out there. We did a you site. You saw it, right? To, yeah, I did a site. Um, survey i guess you could call it last year and and basically got to see what was going on and um how th- from a very short time how the event worked and w- so what was one of the coolest things you saw this year <laughs> you know it, I, I we got back here and i'm going through photographs everybody sending me and you you think you see something cool and then you get all these photographs and you go wow that's really cool and where was that there is just so much to see and so much cool stuff i don't know if you can put your your finger on it you know when they burn that man it is and i think dr blutso hit on that it's absolutely spectacular the the pyrotechnics and the fireworks and um how that all comes together and how they pull that off is absolutely amazing um so, you know, I, I can't put a finger on it. It's a pretty neat event. It's not what, uh, I think that the, the, the general person thinks of it when they think you're going to Burning Man. I think that they think you're going to a, a hippie fest or something. And, and it's really not that. It's a very neat, uh, different event. I, you can't even explain it, as you can tell.
1: You <laughs> know, <laughs> There was simply one of the two Las Vegas papers, and it, it seemed like there was only like three arrests up there. Is that right, Pat?
2: Yeah, there wasn't very many. I, I was going to pull the the CAD.
1: Yeah, I mean, so you know, we um, only saw one little spat where some of the guys were peeing on the tires of the land management police, and a little still altercation on that, but just no no violence, really, no significant thievery. You know, no no drunk belligerents, you know, like you see at some events, it was, everybody just kind of got along. Um, you know, there was a common theme. I'm not sure what it was, but there was a common theme.
0: Well, that's pretty impressive in and of itself that you have that many people out there. And I would assume that there's a law enforcement presence, but it sounds like, for the most part, people either, A, stuck to themselves, or, B, handled anything that went wrong themselves and kind well, they of kept had their-
1: the- they had the park rangers, the Bureau of Land Management, and there were some police there, but they had these guys called the Kilted Rangers, and they wear kind of Scottish kilts, and they're a mediator. So they go out and, and part of the organization, they kind of mediate these these this, this, these issues. And, you know, sometimes it relates to who's using the porta pot versus, you know, water issues, or there's smoke, you know. And so a lot of that never reaches the, the level of involving the involving the, the the true cops and so and they did keep a little profile i mean they prefer they were mainly looking out for the the safety of the uh not only the the the, the participants, but also of that of that uh that that dry lake bed uh, that that is the playa uh to assure that uh you know it remains you know it's supposed to look just like it uh, it was before they built it so you know something to be said for that something to be said for those first aiders who uh who uh, work those stations and then make determinations of who needs to go to the hospital, and then there was an area for the for the people who were having bad drug reactions didn't really need medical care. I can't remember what they called it—the
2: the sanctuary. sanctuary. What was it uh, sanctuary?
1: Sanctuary. Yeah, they they take them and they'd be nice, calm people, and they they talk them through this. So, you know, it it it's, very I interesting it's a,
2: dynamic. It is, it is,
1: and uh, it's so different from our world, you know, where in our way of dealing with something like that is put them in the hallway, give them enough fluid so they pee and want to leave, you know, and, and, and instead they were trying to get them through whatever the the, the chemical was that, that ended them up there, um, but it was done with kind of a, a, a concern and almost a love, which was very unusual, and, and we would, uh, you know, somebody would be out of sorts, and somebody didn't know them, would uh, would bring him up to the hospital. And say, I don't know this dude, but he's not acting right. You know, and of course, I'd welcome him in. And you know, there was never any issue about you know, oh, you're giving this guy crutches. Those are sixty bucks. You know, we just we just did what was right. It was like medicine without and, and, and even the documentation. My residents were going, "We're gonna get in trouble for this," you know, because they're not they're used to doing two and a half page dictations. And I say, no, those three sentences there are more than adequate for what we're doing.
0: So you mean people were compassionate and actually cared about people? It's
1: a good thing. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, a novel plot. You know, that's about as, as opposite of Vegas as you can get where everybody here has a scam. I mean not only do you examine a patient here following the public exam, they try to say you you're know, or uh, uh, you know something, tickets to a show. I mean everybody's got a scam here and up there it is what you see and it was absolutely nothing – like I thought, it would be. And I was kind of worried about bringing my West Texas Catholic wife up there. She had ball. <laughs> I mean, they were wearing costumes, and uh, she, you know, it's just um, she kind of became the den mother of the organization for a while. You know,
0: so next year you're going to be in costume. I hope
1: I'm going to dress as Pat's on. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> 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 even, nope, nope. I stay fully clothed, and uh, yeah, I do, and, I, do, <laughs> but-
1: and I, I, you know, I was taking. We're, we're going to certainly write this up, and. I had my big commercial camera out there and for a while I just felt like I was a voyeur. Cause I'd get ready to shoot a picture all of a sudden, somebody'd walk in there without clothes or, you know, and you're, it, I was really good about asking people, uh, um, you know, can I take your picture? And of course none of them care, but then, <laughs> certainly some those pictures and oh my gosh, did I really shoot that? But I got a picture of a Jesus holding, tied to a cross holding champagne bottle and you could take your turn beating him. You know, um, it just—it was just—it was just—it just, it was just, it just the, the things were absolutely the most creative things in the world. The cars—they call them mutant vehicles. You know, there were boats with wheels, and there were scorpions, and there was the Blinstone's car. Uh, you know, it's just—it was just—you just, know, you you get you go to one place, you go, what the heck is that? And you look at it, goes, how did they think of that? You know, there was a, a Ferris wheel that had skeletons that were just alike, and it was pulled by ropes, and it was lit. And as the, the ferris wheel started going faster, the centripetal force actually made the skeleton start to sit up. And it was almost spooky. I mean, just the creativity uh, was worth the event alone. I'd go out just to look at the art, and I'm not really an art freak.
0: Well, that's pretty cool. Brad, did you have another question? or?
3: No, they answered uh, with you know what the event kind of entailed. If there were People with a little bit, if you want to call it, specialized uh, skills in dealing with uh, you know some of the bad trips or uh, drug reactions and such. Because I, I know with some events that those sorts of people uh, exist, and I, I think it's cool, for no lack of any other term, uh, how well the medical professionals and, and those people and how everybody work together in, in dealing with the problem. And like Dr. Bledsoe said, I mean, for us on a daily basis, those are the people sometimes end up in a hallway or that, you know, medics taking them to the hospital can be a little bit frustrated with and, you know, some people not really wanting to deal with and, and how well that worked out for everybody.
2: I would say that those are the ones out there that receive the most compassion, you know, and they're very well trained to handle these people. They, they have a place called Sanctuary and when they come into the hospital into Rampart with a drug overdose or they're tripping on something and, and they're basically like for Um, lack of better terms, cleared medically and uh, sent over to Sanctuary where these people are taught to be compassionate and care for them and get them through their trip and and get them back out playing on the playa. And usually from what we saw, because we had some of them that, you know, went through their trip in the hospital and we watched them there, they wake back up and they apologize. Hey, thank you very much. Did I cause any problems? What can I give you? And um, thanks for helping me. So in that sense, it was pretty neat. That's really cool.
0: Oh, that's amazing
2: i I hope you're. I I, want to go, so
0: sign me up. I'm. I'm, uh, I want to go.
2: You you better go next year. There is one more notable fact that uh, in in Dr. Bloodso reminded me these these Black Rock Rangers that they have, and we didn't really address this part of it. But I think it's something that should be addressed in this. Is you know, there's no cellular service out there basically when this event's fully wrapped up because the cellular system's overwhelmed and. So they have a full nine one one center that's set up out there, and it's it's not nine one one. It's basically radio nine one one or word of mouth nine one one. But these Black Rock Rangers patrol this whole city, and way a lot of the calls come in is the Black Rock Rangers walking around, and somebody walks up and says, "Hey, uh, my friend over here is passed out. We need an ambulance," and they radio it into. The 911 center and the 911 center dispatches a Delta unit or dispatches a QRV to go look at these people. So it's this event has been around for so long and, and the traditions have developed for so long that even the people out there know to, how to get dispatches out through a this antiquated 911 system that is actually very – um, well managed, very well run, and ha- it produces some very um, good CAD statistics. And, and we're actually seeing numbers where they get ambulance dispatched within, you know, a minute of the call. Wow. Well, then that's that brings up an
0: interesting question. When you're responding to the call, I guess it's it's all close enough that you don't have to use lights and siren and everything. But I would imagine at night you would want to be clearing people out. How did you how did you deal with the just the mass of humanity?
2: It, it, it's very difficult because it's a it's basically a walking city or an art car city, and the the people in the art cars have the right of way or the mutant cars, and there's tens of thousand of people you have to get through. So the the city's on a curve or uh, a. I don't know how you explain it, but it's uh, not a curve. It's kind of
0: a half moon. It's right? a half moon,
2: yeah. yeah. And it's all it, – the, the streets are all named. They're all alphabetical, A through however many streets that they have. And then it's all then positions of the clock. It's, you know, 6 o'clock center and that, uh, to 9 o'clock. And then 3 o'clock is where the other two aid stations are Um the city is though about three miles across so on a you know on what you would call a code three call it is truly a code three call but the first response network is so tight that even though our ambulances were coming out of center camp there's a there's a quick response vehicle at nine o'clock and a quick response vehicle at three o'clock and then everybody's staged so to run code somewhere really didn't have a point at night it was to get through crowds with your lights and things but turning on your siren, you didn't know if it was the siren from the ambulance or the siren from the art car or the siren from the big art parade going down the street. So some of that stuff didn't make a lot of sense. But they run a very efficient – what it's a 911 system they they get their black rock rangers there quickly they get their qrvs there quickly they have people to talk you in quickly to events i would say most of our response times if not all of our response times were under 4 minutes and dispatch times were probably under a minute on most calls that came in now the time it took to get the call you know somebody running from a camp to find a black rock ranger or running to uh to an aid station and and, and relaying the information you know it does take some time but I I don't see any delay in care or any issues with it. How many responses did you do? That was the other question I had for you. Oh, uh, we hit our uh, Delta units did three hundred and sixty-two responses on the playa, and the QRVs I believe did like two hundred and seventy-eight responses on the playa. Wow, that's impressive.
1: Yeah, that's- I tell you, you know, I went over to the uh, to the command center, and there, you know, it's. Of course, nothing is there. They have uh, redundancy of systems. They have three dispatchers, 24 hours a day. Use the instant command system. Um, really, really, really well organized. You know, um, it. Uh, you know, there there are no motorized vehicles allowed, kind of up near the hospital. There's some toward the back, but even though you know, everybody's pretty much bicycles are these mutant these mutant vehicles. So, uh, but but again, I mean, it's it's just constant avoiding. You know, people walking and, and bicycles and, and you know unicycles and all kinds of things that that occur. But uh, amazing. Uh, Joseph Pred, the guy from, uh, who runs the Burning Man Emergency Services, he has really done a good job. I mean, I've never seen anything that well organized, including the things we do here in Vegas, such as the Electric Daisy Festival and these big big, mass events we have here in Las Vegas.
0: Right on. Well, thank you guys very much. And, Pat, is there a way for people to... Listening that if they wanted to sign up next year or do you have a specialty that you'd really like, gee, if I had more nurses or if I had more blah, 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 um, how would people sign up or contact you oh, to get that?
2: Sure, absolutely. You know, the, probably the easiest way is just to send me an email. Um, that way we, <clears throat> we can get them in the system right away. So if they send it to P Songer, P S O N G E R at W S We'll definitely get them on our employment list and uh, see where we can get them in. We're we're trying not to. We're trying to find a place for everybody. So um, there is a point in time when it when it gets filled up, and it was about a month before the event started that we were full. So I think this year, with the type of services we provided, and and especially with Dr. Bledsoe's group, we're going to see an overwhelmingly amount of people that want to come out here and work, and we're going to try to accommodate them.
0: That's really cool,
2: though. That's awesome. Right on. And, Dr.
0: Bledsoe, I wanted to talk to you briefly. Did you have a new book that recently came out? new textbook? No. I thought you
1: did. No, I have one coming out. Uh, you do? Okay, okay. Yeah, a paramedic book. We're through with revision of it. It's in development and in production now. So uh, it's been a lot of work. That's been, been when I leave Las Vegas and go back to Texas, I've been spending 16-hour days going through. Um, we, we have really worked hard to make it uh, evidence-based. We've heavily referenced it. A lot of the chapters at Darren brought down at uh, University of Mexico, Gene Gandhi, completely redid the airway chapter, um, and we're just we're just trying to push it to the cutting edge. It's um, it's gone from five volumes to seven volumes, but more reason the reason is, is more the the breakdown of the new the new curriculum. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I haven't seen page proofs yet, um, but uh, we're real real happy that, that book, the next book coming out. is the pharmacology book, the seventh edition. That's in page proofs now. We updated it with 2010 standards, so I'm excited about the paramedic book. You know, we we've, we've worked hard over these 25 years to hold on to the to the market share, and we've tried to do that, realizing we're not going to be the book for everybody. We'll try to be the book that that pushes the envelope and provides you know the best information, not necessarily in the most simplest of terms. And and, you know, we're, we're happy. The publisher has really done well. Happy with photographs. Uh, happy with development editing. My, a lot of contributors have brought in this time. So, uh, you'll start seeing the first of it at EMS today, this next year. Uh, you know, it probably won't come out all at one time, but, Brady um, Brady's doing a lot of things on the side in terms of, um, the, the online support, uh, things that are kind of, I don't deal with a whole lot other than from an editorial standpoint. So, it's good i it's, it's good to, to to have a new edition out uh It's good also not to have to <laughs> those long nights at home when my family does with the things finishing this book up but um, it's, it's all, good.
0: all good. you said there so, were seven volumes in this yeah, yeah,
1: we, we wow. kind of uh, there's some new chapters. Uh, you know, there's, uh, for example, the patient assessment chapter is pretty, I mean, that, that volume is the same, but now patient monitoring, like monitoring devices in there. We broke down special patients from operations, added a chapter on helicopter operations. I had a good friend of mine, Mike, uh, Abernethy, and his colleague up at the University of Wisconsin, uh, and Madison Life did, uh, did that chapter. Uh, you know, we, we, we updated. I'm always trying to keep that book kind of aligned with the house of medicine. You know, I have a medicine section, I have a trauma section, I have a physical exam section. And um, a lot of, it, a lot of, uh, whatever. Kevin McGinnis uh, did our, our, our uh, communications, which was a chapter that was horribly out of date. I don't even understand all of it now, but he's the expert. Um, real happy with the airway chapter, talking about all these new airway techniques like the, uh, you know, the the ramp technique and, and the ear to notch. And, we, we just totally tore up the airway chapter and, and basically followed the, the current practices of the, of the SLAM course that Jim Rich does that in Texas and Darren's course out in New Mexico, and I'm real happy about it. We're, we're, we're trying to emphasize a, a nonlinear approach to airway management ventilation as opposed to the old ABCs because nothing we do in medicine is ABCs except for when you go to the bathroom. You unzip, you know, but uh, that's it.
0: <laughs> right on. I, I can't wait to see your new textbook, and I hope you'll come back on and talk to me more about that because I'm almost wondering how much of your new textbook will be paper and how much will be on my iPad. It's not a be Well, it, it,
1: it is electronic. And see, that's, an, that's a problem for us. My contracts, and most of the people that. First of all, Brady is very generous in their contracts compared to most publishers. So, you know, they've been good to me over the years, and we have well over a million books in print. But, uh and it's the same, uh, I was talking with Randy Mantu, they're having the same issue with like the DVDs for emergency. Um, the, these contracts were written back in the 70s before this stuff, these DVDs and electronic books were known, and so uh we don't get paid as much. Of course, the publishers, you know, we we don't know where that's going, but that that's a real threat to, to the textbook market right now, uh, especially more on the college side. E- EMS people tend to buy paper books, and they tend to keep them as opposed to, you know, college trigonometry or calculus or something like that. So it's going to be an interesting time. And, and the problem with EMS is the market is not big enough, except maybe at the EMT level. To do a really good electronic book because of the cost of video, the cost of production, there's just not that much money there. Uh, and and it'll be curious to see see where that goes. I mean, I think Brady and, and you know, even Mosby and these other publishers are doing a pretty good job of that. But a lot of times they're taking things from other markets such as nursing or, you know, I, I just, I've done two books now that are derivatives of, you know, allied health, one, uh, anatomy, and physiology, the other college anatomy, and physiology. We've got a pathophysiology book coming out, which is a derivative product of a, of a allied health. You know, um, it's just, it's just that EMS, uh, just does not uh, have the, the volume to uh, to support that technology. It's just so expensive, and all these kids coming out now going to EMT and paramedic school are video gamers. And and you know, there's no way I can do simulations in paramedic and make it look like Call of Duty, Black Ops. You know, it's it's going to always look simplistic, and it's a real conundrum for those of us in this business. And, and really, you know, uh, we're looking for innovative ways to do things, and there's just no easy answer at this point because it all comes down to dollars
0: and I would imagine that they're probably still charging the same amount even though they don't have the same printing costs for those textbooks so then you're right where where does that go the
1: printing costs are actually higher oh yeah absolutely the ink ink is tied to the cost of oil Uh, what is what is cheaper is the production I mean I could do I actually have the the software I could do a whole book on this Mac right here that I'm talking on but uh, yeah it's uh, you know it's you know, just, just, just to print my paramedic book and ship it to New Jersey to the warehouse. I mean, that's several, several you know, semi-trucks.
3: Wow.
1: So, you know, there's a warehousing cost and so on. I, I don't know where it's going. Um, EM, EMTs, paramedics, what we know, tend to be visual learners, kind of left brain uh, right brain learners tend to, to like visuals. We've always made our books very visual. So I think we're going to be amongst the last to kind of give up um give up uh, textbooks uh, in terms of uh, printed textbooks. But, yeah, I know that I've seen some pre-market stuff. I know we're going to have, you know, Kindle and uh, Barnes & Noble, whatever, their, their reader. I don't even have a reader. I don't even have a uh, electronic book. Uh, now I guess I'll get
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you for coming on. Dr. Bledsoe, how can people find you? Or do you want to be found? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, Are I, you on Twitter, I, I, Facebook,
3: whatever?
1: I'm on Facebook. I, I, I I got Twitter. I don't know how it works. Um, probably just just b me dot com. You know that email address, and I don't always answer it right away, but I do answer it. You know, I get a lot of emails, and I, and I try to answer it. Uh, and that's probably the best way. Uh, it's my schedule's hectic, living in two places, and and all the things I don't say no to. Uh,
2: <laughs> you know,
1: it's but you know I'm enjoying it. my wife, kind of watch what we're doing, and I really I really am enjoying working with these residents and teaching out here and. I look forward to coming to Vegas to work, but also when it's over, I look forward to going back to Texas. And so, um, but still, you know, EMS is, is my love. I'm heading actually tomorrow, Friday. I'm heading to in Mexico to speak at a EMS conference in Red River. So I'm still trying to do that periodically, just not traveling quite so much. But uh, if you ever get to Las Vegas, you want to see some real weirdness. Come spend a day with me at UMC, and uh, you'll never be the same. Not because of me, but just because of what you'll see.
0: I can't even imagine. Well, thank you guys. Thank you gentlemen both very much for uh, sticking with us through the late hour and enjoying uh, listening to your stories. And I can't wait. I re, Pat, I'm taking you up on the offer. I'm coming out next year. I hope so. I'm going to hang out there and maybe even do a podcast from there. That'd be pretty fun.
2: We could hey. do that. We're going to have a pretty good uh, internet backbone. Uh, oh, Get really? both you and Brad out there. It'd be great. Cool.
3: Yeah, Pat, I just sent you an email saying, uh, definitely interested in wanting to come out. <laughs>
2: absolutely we get you both i i I replied to you brad we get you on our both you and chris on the incident command team and we'll we'll have have a fun time
0: right on that'd be tremendous mr brad buck where can or buck naked as i like to call you i mean it 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 is germane to the whole um you know burning man thing so makes sense i
3: it would be i really that that the name would be fitting however Mm -hmm. i think that would be i think i'd burn i'd burn the eyes of many
0: Probably don't want to be able to pin a badge somewhere. Kind
3: of No, no. Where can
0: people find you and find more information about EMS Standing Orders?
3: You can find me at emsstandingorders.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. The website there, I have an email. Uh, you can link to me off of that website. And uh, you can also find me on Facebook. And I still... I'm not doing a whole lot with Twitter, not as much as I probably should be, but that's I'm with about it.
0: You. I'm with you, brother. I get it. I, it's so annoying sometimes. Ah, I am Chris Montero. It's hard. It's hard to keep on all that junk. I'm Chris Montero, Geeky Medic. In case you're wondering, yes, we still have a contest going on. It is... The next DMS radio star. We're revamping it. Uh, I had a few problems with it, and then I realized, you know what? We're turning people into radio stars that have never done this before. We probably shouldn't make them submit a uh, an MP3 or or a video. So I'm gonna. I I actually thought through that after somebody emailed me and said, "Well, I don't know how to do that." That's why I'm applying. I'm like, "Oh, well, that makes sense." So we'll revamp that. Get the new rules up on the website in the next week or two. Check out those, and then we'll we'll work on the new next EMS radio star for the beginning of the year. I have a new, uh, EMS person coming on a podcast. She's very excited and I'm pretty excited to, to help her through her new process. So listen for that more, have a few other projects going on, but, uh, you can find me, Chris Montero, geeky medic at all those websites, geeky medic, uh, on Facebook and Twitter. And you can also email us, ems garage at gmail.com. And, like Dr. Blazzo I get about five or 600 emails a day. So if I don't answer you right away, just wait. I probably will. It'll just take some time. I need to hire an intern just to do that. All right. Uh, thanks for listening this week. And join us next time when we talk more about issues that concern you in EMS.